Hello and welcome to another episode of Confessions of a Wee Timorous Bushy. This is your host, Manion, also known as Rob. So it's been a long while since my last episode, that's for sure. I wasn't really sure if I was going to come back and to be honest, who knows if this will make a cut and whether I'll publish it or not. But anyway, here I am. It's a quite a beautiful day. It's April the 1st. um, So, of course, this could be a joke uh, episode. But, um, yeah, the the, uh, cherry blossoms are just finishing. I'm off for a walk down by the river, along the riverside. The turtles are out on the rocks in the river. And the the cherry blossoms pretty much finished now. It was quite early this year uh, due to clement weather. And the petals are uh, speckling the asphalt um, I think that's asphalt, asphalt isn't it asphalt a kind of the pathway anyway with pink it's pink petals and uh, yeah I mean the above me I've got the bowels reaching over the bowels not the bowels yeah, reaching over the path towards the river and they're all still covered with these pink um, blooms and the petals are falling around me um, so hopefully that gives you a little bit of a, a taste of Kyoto in in the spring um, it is lovely and the trees now a lot of them anyway have uh, leaves there's um, these beautiful f- bushes over the other side of the river um, they're just absolutely just um, gorgeous blossoms of white so you've got these pink blossoms white blossoms I can see some um, plum trees just a there's one plum tree over there with its bright pink uh, blossoms which which are, are contrasting with the the cherry tree next to it which is a more kind of a subtle whitish pink anyway that's enough description for now isn't it you get the idea I think so what have I been doing if you're interested um, well if you're not interested I suppose you wouldn't have um, you wouldn't have uh, listened decided to listen to this podcast Uh, as you know or maybe you don't maybe this is the first time you're listening but this is a podcast that's you know for the most part about role-playing games Uh, usually fantasy role-playing games Um, and my thoughts about them my thoughts about the the people the 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 friendships the, the the society that goes around with that because it's a very social game but also about the rules and, and the way that the rules mesh with the other aspects of the game, the imaginative, the, the creative, uh, the social and whatnot. Blah, 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 right? And I've been away for a while. And that's me crossing the road. <clears throat> Actually crossing the bridge. Um, but I haven't stopped playing games. Um, I have kind of uh, really dialed back the amount of the amount of time I spend on social media even on Twitter now you might think Twitter is the worst of them um, it can be pretty bad yeah that's for sure but in my experience I've uh, managed to uh, you know, control it for the most part uh, I found Facebook much more difficult to manage um, but even on Twitter I've, I've really cut back uh, on my presence there and I use a lot of uh, muted words and, and you know occasionally mute 
conversations or uh, people um, or we even block people who are particularly um, troublesome in that they stir up uh, problems intentionally uh, on the on the uh, among the so-called community of role-playing gamers because that's why I'm on there for role-playing games uh, I'll make the odd um, semi-political social comment from time to time but for the most part nah you know it's not not for me anymore um, there's reasons for that I'm probably not going to go into them here um, so uh, the gaming did continue the gaming continued if I remember correctly we were playing um, RuneQuest and I was trying to express um, how that campaign was coming along, some of the problems that we'd had with scheduling um, various different factors um, and we were playing the Six Seasons in Sartar campaign for, which is set in Glorantha for the new RuneQuest Glorantha rule set and um, yeah we finished that it was a from as far as I'm concerned, it was a thoroughly uh, enjoyable experience. Um, I don't know how to expand upon that. Um, as I said, we had some problems with uh, scheduling. There was a group of six players, so as you can expect, you know, um, that's never going to be easy. But you know, for the usually, uh, for the most part in my group, we know what the schedule is because we've been doing this for four years now uh, we're just about to celebrate our fifth year of the uh, group in uh, in, in um, uh, the end of this month excuse me getting lost for words it's been a while since I've done this isn't it hasn't it uh, so you know we know it's every other Sunday we know what time it is um, and it's become a part of our lives I think and that makes it easier to schedule and uh, we did have a new player uh, a very nice um, guy from from Wales um, who graced our, our company for some of uh, last the, the past year let's say the past year measuring it from from spring to spring from April to April um, um, and that was good but it became quite difficult to also add in his schedule because he was involved with a, a monthly uh, board game uh, society which then put pressure on that uh, on our game meaning you know he, he would prioritize his board game group uh, which means we'd miss him uh, sometimes once a month you know one session uh, a month we only have two sessions a month so you know you get the idea but I'll see if I can get across this road it's getting a bit tricky now it's getting a bit tricky now oh, I'm across I'm across dodge the motorcyclist Okay, oh, here we've got some more cherry blossoms, lovely. And a nice quiet stretch, he says, as he sees a family of three or four approaching. Somebody singing traditional songs. Uh, where was it? Yeah, uh, so anyway, um, uh, yeah, the, that, that player actually has uh, dropped out because of the, the difficulty in scheduling um, since... We're actually no longer playing RuneQuest, but time for that in a moment. Um, so RuneQuest, um, what do I think of it? I, I, I really enjoyed it. There was a couple of things um, that require um, a lot more work on our part, I think, to, to master. And that is specifically uh, 
the the experience kind of uh, system. I think we were starting to get the hang of it, but the, the experience with its training, its uh, self kind of uh, educating research, its experience from um, experience checks from actual practice of those skills, use of those skills within an adventure, etc., etc., etc. Professional development, you know. Uh, th- there's many layers right and it, it becomes quite confusing as to well why there is so many layers uh, it's clear what the intention is but the practice of it requires everybody to sort of work out well they've already got experience in this skill from the last adventure they can't get, they can't use their um professional experience that month to to get another check in that they've got to keep tabs on all these things they've got to remember to roll the modifier add the modifier to their roll to roll over the skill um, rather than adding the modifier back onto the skill that's something that just kept on coming up um uh, kind of not really understanding i think on, on the part of the player some of the players not really understanding uh what the purpose of the skill modifiers were and and why that would uh, why, how that was already factored in, <laughs> uh, in into the skill and, and why that would be then added onto the skill role um, for me, somebody who played RuneQuest and other basic role playing games um, such as Stormbringer and ElfQuest and so on in the, in the 80s it's not a big deal, you know I, know, I understand it uh, I understand the basic premises the concepts behind the rules but for people who are new to it, I can understand why it can get kind of a bit confusing. Um, one odd thing was people kept on adding the parenthetical. You, you got these skills right on the character sheet, and in parenthesis you have the base amount, which is the base amount for your human, your average human character. Um, and they'd be adding that back onto the skill as well every time they're rolling. And it's, it's already incorporated in, to which I suppose the the the, the fair um, answer response from the players would be well why is it written on the character sheet right and i would be able i wouldn't be able to answer that so the base the way the character sheet is set up in a way also adds to the confusion of of what numbers have to be added in now your skill is already the skill and nothing needs to be added onto that um except in the case of uh difficulty factors or whatever you might have but um people want to know that when they're coming to the game new um we we played we played maybe 10 sessions i think now of runequest so they're getting a fair good idea um as i'm asked getting a fair uh idea of how the system works um how the magic works more importantly how how what they can do in a round um but uh definitely need to it's a game that we need to continue to play if we're to really sort of understand and get the most from the rules because i I think it's worth that i think um runequest in one form or another whether it's the the modern version of the rules or some older edition or br brp variant is um is a really great skill uh rule set i was gonna say skill set a really great rule set. Uh, I think I've gone on enough about uh, RuneQuest. But we came to the end of the adventure. Things happened, which I'm not going to go into here because I don't want to spoil the adventure uh, for those who might wish to play it. Um, it was th- thoroughly enjoyable. 
um, and it set up the situation where they are now well they have a background they have a past um, they have enemies and friends um, they have a purpose in the world um, there's all these powers and, and motivations these energies pulling them one way and another and the adventure could go anywhere um, and that's really really exciting so um, on the one hand we could go the route the route for some of you um, the route where you, you take uh, you, you do the whole kind of six seasons campaign um, the next part being the company of the dragon which I, which I have now this is a really good adventure because unlike the adventure we played the first part which is much more linear in in some ways not entirely but quite linear there's a there's a beginning there's a middle and there's an end if you like um <laughs> that's kind of unhelpful isn't it um the company of the ja- dragon is it, it does have a structure um but it's a big structure uh, that extends across i don't know three years or so of game time in game time and uh, you're able to put in events and adventures using a kind of cookbook, a recipe book, which is the Company of the Dragon um, uh, adventure book. Uh, there's all sorts of adventures that are set pieces, others that could be reused many times over, um, adapted and so on for the specific uh, cases. So you've got things like raids and, and uh, um, freeing hostages and... Uh, acquiring supplies, getting revenge against this person, finding allies, um, negotiating um, between different clans or tribes or peoples um, to create peace or new um, alliances. All these very uh, different aspects. Um, also, yeah, battle aspects of uh, larger kind of battles and skirmishes and um, building uh, fortifications, uh, homesteads, uh, uh, strongholds, and so on, um, and that's all interwoven within the within the canonical or or uh, quasi canonical uh, happenings of of Glorantha. So it's got a massive scope, uh, but a huge amount of flexibility, uh, versatility in how it is presented and what the players can do, which is pretty much anything. Now, that's one direction, as I was saying, before this long uh, uh, kind of side note. But uh, another way would be to let them just go wherever they want. So I've said, you know, well, you could go north and uh, with a caravan and seek employ uh, as mercenaries in, in the north, meaning Griffin Mountain area, which is a whole campaign region uh, from the classic days of of uh, RuneQuest or they could go east um, and there um, you know perhaps work as mercenaries as, as uh, rebels helping the locals against lunar rule um, and that of course is the land of Prax uh, of Pavis the big rubble area um, and again I, I've got material for that from cl- the classic uh, gl- classic RuneQuest um, era so I've laid it on the table and said, look, you know, if we come back to RuneQuest, you understand what the tribes are about, what your familial familial and your tribal allegiances are 
uh, how complex they can be um, but um, now because of events that happen in the first campaign the world is your oyster as it were it's opened up you can um, pursue your um, your desires your motivations your your hatreds your loves um, uh, and turn that into your our own adventure campaign um, so I've done that and uh, we'll see how things wear out uh, work out because if we do come back to request they may decide just to stick uh, stay in Sartar and work out their characters issues from there uh, very possible but um, they could always sort of at any point they can always go off and do what they want um, which is really what I want to do I don't want to be bound to adventures uh, to campaigns all the time although because although uh, I tend to do that anyway at the end of the day but I do think that that does uh, restrict a lot of the um, creativity and potential that RPGs intrinsically involve that is adventures bottle you in um, and we'll go on to that now because we're going to talk about a change of tempo we've we, we've since moved from um, RuneQuest which I think we finished kind of end, the end of last year and the beginning of this year it, it took a while to finish because we had to tie up some loose ends and people weren't there people were coming back and it was all uh, a little complicated but um, we th- I, I, I said I'd promised them that we would uh, go back to the Greyhawk campaign for AD&D now we've kind of uh, we're using uh, we're using um, Osric, the old school, uh, uh, old school Renaissance um, rules for first edition uh, AD&D, based on first edition AD&D, alongside uh, AD&D now, just to give a little bit more clarity. Yes, I'm aware there are discrepancies between the two rules, but that's not a big issue. Um, so we, we come back to that. We're playing Ravenloft because it's one of these adventures everybody really wanted to to experience. It's one that I ran back in the day and had a great deal of fun with. So um, we've had three sessions of that. Again, we've got some, at the beginning, right at the beginning, we've got some um, scheduling problems. Uh, as I said, the our uh, friend um, who lives in Osaka from Wales, he, he dropped out uh, of the group um, you know, on good terms. And uh, one of the other players has had um, kind of um, issues, let's call it, uh, at home that he's had to deal with at work or whatever in his private life. So he hasn't been or had as much time as he would normally have. Um, so we were on the third session. Is it third session? Tim? Tomorrow. If all goes well, we'll be on the third session and one of the players will be missing. Um, so there'll be four players. <coughs> it should be, should be fine, but... Who knows, you know, I, I've told them to be prepared for a destruction. Um, the uh, the second session was really interesting because one of the uh, players uh, is running an illusionist. Oh, there's a lot of wind here. I need to 
get into some cover so it doesn't give you all this noise. Yeah, one of the players is running a, an illusionist called Vrax. Um, and and uh, Vrax cast the illusion, the blind spell, um, which is an illusion spell. Um, uh, and barring the decision of the illusionist to drop the effects of that spell, which they can do at any time, unrestricted, or the, the effects of a dispel magic spell, the, the, the spell is permanent. So, and, um, and our friend Strahd, Count Strahd, the vampire, failed his saving throw, so we now have an enraged and blind Strahd who um, fled the scene of his first kind of uh, foray against the adventurers, leaving his uh, Strahd zombies behind, um, and bats and so on. Um, uh, and this is really interesting because I've looked through the rules and as far as I can see there's no reason why an illusion uh, like that wouldn't work against an intelligent um, being, even an undead one. And there don't seem to be any immunities or spells, uh, immunities to the blindness or spells that would um, counteract the blindness that are available to Strahd at this time. So, very interesting. Strahd has a number of motivations, um, potential motivations, of, and you decide how the adventure is going to play out at the beginning, but also, again, um, they have the chance, the players have the chance to actually visit a fortune teller, and the fortune teller tells the future which is to say what the fortune teller says helps to shape future events um, but also gives clues to how those future events may work for or against the players it's a really interesting kind of uh, idea and um, is mechanically backed up in a way that makes this adventure quite um, unusual uh, quite special um, and fun so we'll be starting from um, leaving the <coughs> leaving the fortune teller's camp. We'll probably kind of fast forward to the, the, the pathway leading up to Strahd's castle, as it seems that they really want to just do this guy in. And uh, yeah, let's have fun. So, <coughs> excuse me, I'm getting excited again. <coughs> Whoa. So that's where we are. That's where we are with the adventures. Um, I'll probably go into a few things about um, what I've been doing and uh, my own personal uh, situation. And, you know, not in great detail, not so as to uh, make anybody uncomfortable, but uh, I'll add a little few, a few words, I think, later just to uh, explain where I've been since the end of October or before. Uh, I think I had actually created one or two episodes that never saw the light of day. Um, and, um, yeah, I'm very thankful to the people that left uh, left um, messages uh, which I did not respond to I did listen to them and I did in fact make uh, answers or, or responses to those to those messages um, but they've not been published uh, probably they will not be published uh, but I, I do thank everybody for their uh, continued interest I've also had a lot of interest on I don't I say a lot you know a few people uh, <laughs> one or two uh, asking about the the podcast on twitter um which was really nice you know um and i explained i wasn't really feeling it i was having uh, some difficulties uh, um 
just put my, my thoughts to words in a way that was worth your time, uh, worth people uh, tuning in and uh, listening to. But well, here I am now. Um, I'm on the return path to my home. Uh, finally got a bit of chance. Well, I finally took the opportunity to go out and see the end of the cherry blossoms. Uh, I've been staying at home a little bit too much, indoors a little bit too much recently, and I thought, well, you know, I've, I've really got to get out, change my environment and start breathing the air and feeling things a little bit more rather than uh, surrounding myself with uh, the artificial, which is unfortunately... Um, all around us <laughs> and around me. Oh, someone's screaming. Oh, sounds okay. Just let her go. Uh, she's all right. She's just playing. So, artificial, artificial, virtual realities and so on. Uh, uh, you know, uh, well, role-playing games are also a way to uh, get away and to, to escape reality. You might say, and this is true. But I think there's something very special about them, and that is the fact that. Uh, in most cases, in many cases, you play with other players. Um, hopefully, uh, I say hopefully, um, if you're lucky, in my my uh, belief, in my way of thinking, you do it as a group uh, in real space. Um, online doesn't hurt, but uh, yeah, real space with real people sharing uh, something, uh, an interest that you enjoy. Um, it isn't an escape, actually. Um, it includes escapist elements, but it's a real-life uh, social meeting of of real people, um, relaxing, and that is uh, is uh, special and something that we should all cherish. I think. On that note, I'm going to press the stop button here. Hopefully, this is recorded, and I'll be back with a few more points or comments uh, about stuff. Uh, Later. Well, it's coming up for 12 o'clock in the afternoon now, or midday. It's coming up for midday, I should say. And I haven't eaten yet. I should have had some breakfast, but uh, I tend to get a lot more uh, calories and, and food and alcohol intake. And I do exercise, so although it's not good to go out in the morning without breakfast I think missing one is not going to kill me but uh, I'll put on something this afternoon I'll have a nice a nice big lunch I think however getting back to the games um, I do have other games going on I, I know I was talking about RuneQuest and Advanced Dungeons and Dragons earlier while I was out on my walk well I've also been continuing with the Wednesday group uh, which is the Wednesday D&D Club, where we play actually old school essentials, which is, you know, D&D. It's basic expert D&D uh, completely. Um, and that continues to be uh, very, uh, you know, fun. It's got its ups and downs. It's a short game night. We just play for two hours at most. Probably works out more like one and a half hours, really. Um but we, we've continued to play. I think last time I was uh, podcasting, I mentioned that we were playing the Isle of the Plangent Mage or something titled like that. 
Um, that was an interesting one. I'm not going to go into the details of the game because I don't want to ruin it for people, but uh, it certainly had a lot of flavour. Um, its environment was different from that which we normally um, we normally uh, play in. Uh, it's kind of like a very sea. It's themed around the sea. It's very um, sea-based. It's not quite underwater, but it also has a kind of dungeon that's sort of seaside and um, the dungeon is a mini dungeon it's quite long it's got s multiple levels um, which is I, I find is, is very satisfying but each level itself is quite small and contained so it doesn't sprawl you know it's um, it, it's quite nice it was a nice um, and uh, engaging um, type of adventure in many ways however I, I think I preferred the adventures that we did before it, which was the Incandescent Grotto and also, ooh, let's see if I can remember the name, uh, Hole in the Oak, uh, which we'd, we bound together as one kind of a larger kind of dungeon area. Um, you may recall that we were originally playing Barrow Maze. Barrow Maze has been pushed aside very much, uh, uh, continues to be pushed aside for now player characters are currently in a very big fix so we're playing the halls of the blood king uh, again it's a, an original old school essentials adventure um, beautiful artwork um, fascinating idea um, quite an interesting twist on the typical um, the typical tropes of uh, gothic horror vampires all that kind of thing but yeah as i said a twist different um, feels very more cock Moorcockian, if that's a word, um, Michael Moorcock, there's a sense of uh, other worlds and, and uh, dimensions of, of travel, of, uh, of, of of cosmic horror, so maybe, but but not in the sense, of, is that truly cosmic horror? Not in the sense of Call of Cthulhu, but of, of the sense of, more like um, perhaps Doctor Who uh, is how it feels to me anyway. Um, don't want to spoil it. Um, <clears throat> the, the, the characters, the players have been engaging it very well and right from the beginning avoided a lot of combats which is good because you don't want to get in trouble with a lot of these uh, enemies uh, if you take things head on in the halls of the blood king the party will certainly die um, absolutely certainly die because uh, even at levels what three to five or whatever they are currently there's no way they can take on um, multiple, multiple vampires <laughs> hanging out with each other and working together. It's just not going to happen. Um, even if you say that the vampires don't level drain, uh, they're going to die. But uh, no, they're, they're, they're thinking, they're talking to people, they're trying to work out things and and uh, avoid any trouble unless otherwise, less completely necessary. It's been quite enjoyable. The last session, however, was a huge road bump for us. And the party ran into severe troubles. Um, there were, I think, four players playing at the time, and maybe five, four players, five players, all of them, but one or two, all of them but two, I think, have been knocked down to zero or under zero hit points. Now you may say, hey Rob, this is old school essentials. You die at zero hit points. This is true. This is true. But I use the rule from uh, not Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, but I use the rule from um, 
uh, Swords and Wizardry, uh, an optional rule in there which states that uh, characters, why not use characters uh, going down to zero hit points, perhaps losing points, of, taking a point of damage um, for every round <clears throat> that they are not bound, uh, but they can take mod um, minus hit points down to their level. So if they're level four, say, they can, they die at minus four. <clears throat> Uh, although they, maybe they die at minus five. It depends how you interpret that. That's the rule we're playing with. Um, it looks like it's almost a TPK or uh, the party, the remaining party will have to leave half the party dead and run out or they're going to twist us around. They're going to bring out the injured party members, um, find some way of restoring them. Typically... Uh, I think there's two clerics, both of them are on the floor. Great. Um, um, I think I think I'm going to work with the party on this a little bit. I'm not going to break the rules. I'm going to give them a. Um, I'm going to throw them a line. I'm going to throw them a line to work with. Throw them a bone, um, and I'm going to let them try and work their way out of this. Um, what that will mean is that <clears throat> because the situation. It's a little bit tricky to know whether they could have, <coughs> excuse me, whether they could have got out of it or not. Whether I should have, when I should have um, telegraphed some of the danger uh, a little bit more um, uh, overtly. Um, it was telegraphs that the problem that they ran into, but I should have given them a little bit more time, perhaps, or perhaps reworded the. The, the text of the monster so that what it did, its ability wasn't quite so uh, far reaching uh, as it was. However, we are where we are. So yeah, I'm going to probably throw them a line. We do short games. It's supposed to be fun. Um, I'll let them set themselves up for a, for a final bash to see if they can turn things around um, or get the hell out of there. Right, and that that will be. I'm not going to give them a binary option, but it will kind of probably filter down to that because they'll be so bashed up, even with a little help and re, um, restored to uh, positive hit points. They're going to be in such a bad state that they'll have to decide whether to bail out from this area and get the hell out of there, uh, which is that they can't return to the the adventure because of the settings, because of the conditions. Of that adventure, so that will be yeah. They'll just basically just bail out and uh, try something a bit more, um, uh, something else, you know, um, or they'll they'll have a showdown with the bad guy. And um, if it's a TPK, that at that point, then it's a TPK, and uh, we'll we'll take it from there. But I think that it's a little bit more uh, interesting than um, where we are at the moment, which is half the party dies, bleeds to death, is is strangled to death, um, and the two remaining players get out, probably have to run out because they're not going to take stuff on by themselves. And again, it's a fail. It's a failed quest, as it were. So um, that, that's probably not going to inspire them to to great heights of uh, player uh, fun and uh, engagement. Um, I, I don't know if the players would drop out, but it... it it would certainly sour the, the 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 feel of the game. I think because of the way it's happened. Um, 
Anyway, that's the situation. Uh, I am involved with other games. I'm playing Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay with uh, Tristan, Tristan's group uh, online. And uh, other, other games are kind of on hiatus or have uh, stopped. Uh, oh, I've also got, I should not forget, I've also sti- I'm still playing in a, uh, in a play-by-post, as it were. It's more like a text uh, um, kind of loose uh, real-time text adventure that we've been playing for two, what, th- two, three years maybe now. Um, that's still going. Uh, that's still going, and our characters are, are fighting away against the uh, uh, the dangers of uh, of a terrible cult, the cult of is it Thariz Dune, um, and their machina- machinations, which in- also involve also involve. Let me get my my teeth in properly it also involve the bone march and um some of the great tribes of orcs uh, there who are marching on the free peoples um so uh that's really fun we're currently uh trying to about to negotiate with a black dragon to to stop the dragon working with the cult and the bone marchers uh, we've we've um we have something, uh, an artifact or a relic of some power and beauty that we hope to to um, give to the give to the dragon and um, by its neutrality uh, in in the upcoming conflict. And so, really interesting. If that fails, we're even thinking about subduing the dragon and working it against the orcs. And so, you know. Uh, interesting times ahead in that campaign. Uh, hopefully, uh, who knows? You know, maybe I'll have um, David on the the GM, uh, the DM, I should say, and uh, we can we can talk about how that text ad- adventure has continued to sort of trot along a, a fair fair pace. Um, finally, finally, I, I I really want to say thanks to um, to um, to Rob, the uh, editor at um, Flipping and Turning magazine, and to Crog. Um, talk um all those at grog talk the um the this is a group that is uh, very much dedicated to keeping first edition advanced dungeons and dragons alive as you know i do continue to have a strange fascination with that uh, particular uh, version of the old game <clears throat> um um rob actually was really kind to uh, send me a, a bunch of stuff um a number of uh, actual paper uh, editions of the Flipping and Turning uh, fanzine, which is a beautifully uh, rendered magazine uh, along the lines of the old Dragon magazine. So if you don't know about it, um, get a copy of it. I mean, I believe it is free for, for download as PDF. Um, don't, uh, don't, um, I'm not 100% sure on that how it works out now, so I might have to do a bit of research. Um, also, I think it's available in print from um, Noble Knight Games. That's Knight with a K. Noble Knight Games. Uh, I'm pretty sure they do a, a proper print run, and uh, yeah, you, you can actually get the magazine. Uh, so if you're into Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, that's uh, that's a great place to uh, a great community and a great place to go. Of course, the uh, Grog Grog Talk podcast, which is live and long. Uh, uh, my time it's on the mornings. It's on. Um, Let's see now. It's on Saturday, early, early Saturday mornings, East Coast time in the USA. Uh, for me, I think I grab it uh, 
late, late Saturday night. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, so thank you to Rob for sending those things out. Um, really, uh, really, really um, pleased with that. I know it's been a couple of months since my last podcast. I haven't really talked about it. Um, also, uh, one of the members of the um, one of the members of the uh, Grog Talk, the uh, kind of uh, community, is actually was really kind and um, sent me a bunch of books. Um, one Paul Anderson book. I've actually got them here. One Paul Anderson book uh, called The Peregrine. Another book based on the movie of the same name called Silent Running, which is a nice small kind of pulp. And these are the original kind of covers. And another one by Ger- Gerhard Herm called The Celts, uh, which is a history of the Celts. Um, so uh, thank you so much. I- I've not mentioned his name, although he p- might want me to mention it, but it's so long that... Hey, um, but you know who you are, and I feel very, um, I feel very uh, honoured to um, to have um, to be surrounded by people who are quite uh, well kind, really, uh, uh, and willing to send out things uh, like this. I, I I don't need um, stuff, but I do certainly appreciate it, and uh, it's it's uh, lovely to receive um, gifts like this. Uh, so thank you so much for your thoughts and uh, kindness there, particularly now with the expensive, super expensive postage. I mean, really, uh, these people are going beyond what is uh, necessary, <laughs> um, but out of uh, pure kindness and, and uh, a love, a shared love of the uh, hobby that we're in- involved in. So uh, th- that's my thanks uh, aside. Uh, um, other things I really should mention, but... It's not going to happen now. I'll, I'll, who knows? If there's another episode, I'll add them to that. There you go. So um, without much more ado, that's it for now. Uh, take care. Um, be kind to each other. And um, I'll see you down the road. <laughs>